You are now listening to Zikaek Podcast, proclaiming the gospel, Jesus as Savior, Sanctifier, Healer, and Common King. A blessed Sunday to everyone. We would like to welcome you here in the sanctuary of the living God. And we also would like to acknowledge those who are joining us in the online worship service. Our meditation for today is based on the book of 2 Peter chapter 1. Our passage for this series, as I have mentioned to you last week, starts in verse 1 and then ends in verse 11. But for this morning's scripture reading, we will end up to verse 5 only because that's where we are going to base our meditation. And then later we will be reading also Philippians chapter 3 verse 8 because we will take that verse into consideration in relation to understanding the text that we have this morning. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 to 5, from the New American Standard Bible, 1995 edition. The word of the Lord says, Simon Peter, a bond servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to whom who have received a faith of the same kind as ours, by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. For by this, he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises so that by them, you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in this world by lust. Now, for this very reason also, applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence, and in your moral excellence, knowledge. Take note of that last word that we read that says, knowledge. Okay? This series stands on the premise of what I have described about our society today. We are living in a common era. The common era which I pertain to is that we are living in a time wherein what is commonly done or practiced, even if it is ethically wrong and morally incorrect, it becomes acceptable. So the question that a Christian should ask, as I have asked you before, is that are we going to live our lives following the pattern of this world that because it is acceptable, even if it is ethically and morally wrong, we will just follow it because after all, everyone is doing it. And I answered that question based on what Peter taught us last time, that God desires for us to live beyond what is common. For us to live beyond what is practiced, that are, that the things that are ethically and morally wrong. God desires that we live beyond those things and follow His will and intention for our lives. Some people would ask the question, is it even possible, pastor, to live that kind of life in our time? The answer to that question is, it is difficult and yet it is. Possible. It has been made possible by God because He has given us the Holy Spirit. Yes, 
There are individuals around us that might cause us to stumble. There are challenges that we face in life that might cause our downfall. And if we just cooperate with the Holy Spirit in His work in His life, we will be able to rise up and live beyond what is common despite the difficulty. And then after that challenge that Peter gave to his readers, he mentioned something like this. Now that you have faith in God, now that you have a relationship with Jesus, to that faith, you got to add moral excellence. Last Sunday, we talked about believers living with excellence in every aspect of our being, not only in the moral issue, but even in the way we live this life in relation to our work, in relation to the people around us, we live with moral excellence. Moral excellence is something that God wants, not based on the standard that He has made with the other people, but based on the design that He has made you with. So let us take note that thing in our hearts and minds. God designed us to achieve a certain level of morality. God designed us to achieve a certain level of capacity. May we all live to the fullest as God has desired for every one of us. And he continued with his line, to your moral excellence or virtue, you add knowledge. He didn't actually mention the word add, but uh, I think he did not actually mention about the word just adding to it, but there is an idea of like a staircase in this literary device that Peter used. To your faith, add moral excellence. To your moral excellence, you add knowledge. Now, the question that I have asked when I look into this text is this. What was he thinking when he penned down the word knowledge? What was Peter thinking? Was he thinking of learning philosophy in life? living and dwelling with those individuals who learned uh, what is this the common philosophy of their time that you need to find a philosopher and sit down before him and learn the way he thinks and the way he deals with matters of life is that what peter thought of that time was he thinking about science that you need to discover new things in life and learn those basic that we have um that we have already acquired from the past is he thinking about those matters is he thinking about the kind of knowledge that we acquire when we go to school? That in grade one, you learn this certain level of learning, and then you reach grade two, you apply what you learn in, in grade one, and then you, you progress in your way of learning in the knowledge that you acquire in life. Is he thinking about those matter? No. The immediate context would right away give us what he was thinking. I want us to give a very intense attention to intense attention to the text that we read first let us look at verse 2 listen to what he said grace and peace multiplied to you in the knowledge of what in the knowledge of god and of jesus our lord so verse 2 in the second verse of the chapter right away Peter clarified that when, when he mentioned about knowledge, this is not just any knowledge that we acquire around us, but this is connected directly to our knowledge about God and about Jesus. He repeated this idea in verse 3, seeing that the divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of whom? Of him who called us. He's talking about God. He's talking about 
Jesus. And then he mentioned again the same word in verse 5. And then another mention of it is in verse 8. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor fruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So you look at the immediate context, the word knowledge is re repeatedly mentioned. In all of those moments that he mentioned the word knowledge, it is directly connected about Jesus Christ. This is not the knowledge on how to operate your computer during blackout. How to troubleshoot those stuff when something gets wrong. This is not that kind of knowledge. But when Peter mentioned the word knowledge in verse 5, it is related to how he mentioned and used them in several verses surrounding this verse that we are looking at this morning. It has to do with the knowledge about God. Knowledge about Jesus Christ. Later, I'm going to explain to you why does he mention this in relation to the virtues because he said, to your faith, you add excellence. To your, to, to your virtue or moral excellence, you add knowledge. What is the relation of this to the moral excellence, to the virtue that he is mentioning? Is this related to them or is this something that we should take in isolation? No, this is connected. But we will delve in further on that matter as we look into the text. He said, knowledge. To your moral excellence or virtue, you add knowledge. What is this knowledge? This has to do with the Lord Jesus Christ. Our knowledge about God. Our knowledge about our Savior. Not only Peter who admonished the believers to know Jesus more. Not only him. Even other New Testament writers, they clearly stated this. And in a very more emphatic way, Paul mentioned this in his writing. So I want us to look at Philippians chapter 3, verse 8. Philippians chapter 3, verse 8. Paul said there, More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish so that I may gain Christ. The surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. You know, in the earlier part of this verse, Paul was battling against false teachers inside the church because there were some Jews, Jewish individuals who sat into the church and they were saying to the believers, faith is not enough. You cannot rely on just belief alone. You have to be circumcised in order for you to become acceptable before God. You have to go through that process. And Paul responded to that by saying, no, no, no. These people are actually relying on the work of the flesh. We as Christians, we rely on the work of Christ. Not in the flesh. Our confidence is not in the flesh. In fact, he said, of all the people here, if there is anyone who's going to be confident in the work of the flesh, it should be me. Why did he say that? He mentioned this because I was circumcised. I was circumcised in obedience to the law. I already went through it. I was circumcised. Added to that in the earlier verses of Philippians chapter 3, he said, chapter 3, he said, I, was a pure, I am a pure Jew. A pure Jew. This is in contrast to the proselytes. You know, if you want to become part of the 
circle of uh, what is this religious group in among the society in the society among the Jewish people you got to go through a process and you become a part of them when you go through the process and part of the process is circumcision and you will be called a proselyte in other words a proselyte is not Jew a Jew by blood you became part of the society you became an acceptable person in their circle because you went through the process when Paul was saying I am NOT a proselyte I am a pure-blooded Jew imagine that and then he mentioned something else of all the people here I should be the one who should be confident in the flesh because I am not only a pure-blooded Jew but I came from the tribe of Benjamin think about this when the kingdom of Israel was divided in the Old Testament time Ten tribes gathered together and formed the northern kingdom. Two tribes formed the southern kingdom. Those two tribes were Benjamin and Judah. Ito lang yung dalawang tribes that formed the southern kingdom. And God used the Assyrians to scatter the northern kingdom. Those tribes who were part of the northern kingdom were all scattered. They were dispersed. And most of them married with people from all other parts of the world. In other words, the descendants of the northern tribes are already mixed with the blood of other races from all over the world. So if you think about those who are really pure Jew by blood that retain that purity are only the Judahites and the Benjamites. So when Paul said, I came from the tribe of Benjamin, he's actually saying, if you claim to be a Jew, are you sure that you are part of Judah and Benjamin? Because if you are not part of Judah and Benjamin, then the descendants of these ten tribes, if you belong to that, you are already a mixed blood. I am a pure Jew. I came from the tribe of Benjamin. So if I am going to rely on the work of the flesh, my basis is to do that. But what did Paul say in the latter part of the text? He said, but you know what? You know what? Despite of those credentials, I don't rely on the work of the flesh. I don't rely on them because I rely on the work of Christ. I consider those credentials as rubbish. They are not useful as far as becoming part of the family of God. I don't trust those things. I trust the work of Christ. And because I have been experiencing the revelation of Christ in my life, I am in a journey of knowing Him more and more. For me, because for me, the greatest treasure, other than the salvation that I found in my Lord, the greatest treasure is that I want to know him more. Paul was actually having that desire to know his Savior more and more and more. I was very blessed when I had an encounter with a medical doctor about four years ago. The owner of the company where I conduct a regular Bible study every Thursday in that marketplace ministry he invited me to also conduct another Bible study along with his friends. One of them was a medical doctor. 
here in Zamboanga City. And in the course of time, I observed that this guy asked questions that are really very technical. He asked questions in relation to textual criticism of the Bible. He asked questions about archaeological discoveries. In fact, he asked questions about the Greek language. So I really wondered about this guy and I asked him, you're a medical doctor. How come you are so much interested of these issues that you are raising up before me? And listen to what he told me. You know, pastor, when I came to know the Lord, I have made a commitment to know him and to know his word more than I know the medical field. I have made a commitment before the Lord to know him and to know his word more than I know the medical field. What a commitment. And the last time we talked, you know what he told me? I am learning to read and understand Greek language. I said, this guy is seriously committed. Because he had that desire to know the Lord more and more. Is it really important to know Jesus more and more? Well, if you don't, if you haven't experienced the revelation of God in your life, it's not important for you. But to those who were embraced by the love of Christ, to those who were snatched out of darkness, knowing Him is of great value. It is of great importance in a Christian's life. I remember a story of a guy, a wealthy man. He collected, while he was still alive, he collected a lot of works of art coming from different known or famous painters. He collected some of the works of Picasso, Michelangelo. So he got their works, some of their works, very expensive. But later, a few years later, around 50 years after, not few, but 50 years later, after he gathered all those stuff, he died. And then there was somebody whom he put in charge how he, he is going to do, what he's going to do with those uh, paintings that he collected. And so this guy who was in charge when he passed away already, the guy that was in charge announced that all of those things that this person had collected will be auctioned. And so those interested ones, especially the rich people who were interested of the paintings of the famous artists went there to join and witness the auction. Magbiding-biding man yan sila doon. While they were there, they didn't know that among, along with those paintings was the painting of the deceased person. Um, I mean, the painting of the son of the deceased person. Yung anak nung namatay, na may, nagmamayari nung lahat ng paintings, nagpaint din ng isang painting, ng isa sa isang canvas. Sinali dun sa auction. And of all the paintings, yun yung inuna. The problem is, the son of this person who painted that painting entitled The Sun is that not, it's not a known painter. In fact, only his father who's dead already, who knew that he paints. So nobody else knew that he paints. Hindi lang sa, hindi lang sa hindi famous, hindi talaga sa kilala na nagpipaint. They, they don't know him. But 
when the auction took place, sabi ng auctioneer, okay, the first item that we will auction is this painting. So it was revealed to them that painting was entitled The Sun. So sabi niya, let's start the bidding. Anybody interested of this painting? There was a total silence in the hall. Nobody was interested. Someone from the crowd exclaimed, Can we skip that item and proceed to the next more valuable paintings? The auctioneer did not mind the comment. He just continued, Anybody would like to bid for this painting? Entitled The Sun. There was no one who was interested of it. Another one from the crowd said, We're not interested of that. We came here for the famous paintings. Shall we proceed to that? The auctioneer, as if did not hear anything from him, and just continued, Anybody would like to bid for this painting? Nobody wants. After a few minutes, someone from the back, the old gardener of the deceased person, said, I have $50 here. $50 for that painting. And the auctioneer said, Someone bids $50. Anybody else? How about $60? Nobody answered. Everyone in the hall was silent. And someone explained, exclaimed, Why don't you just give it to him for $50? We are not interested of that. Are you sure? Nobody, would be, no, would, nobody else would bid for this painting? Sabi ng auctioneer. And the crowd exclaimed together, No one else give that painting to this guy for $50. We came here for the more valuable ones. And so, the auctioneer said, Okay. He stroked his gavel on the podium and said, The auction is over. This painting is sold for $50 to this guy. Thank you very much for coming here. And the auction is over. God bless you and good night. And the rest of the crowd were confused about it. They were saying, how about the other items? You only auctioned the first item in which we are not interested of. How about those famous paintings of Picasso? How about the painting of Michelangelo? We want those paintings. Sabi ng auctioneer sa kanila, I am very sorry. The auction is over. Because in the last will of that person who's, who owns all of this, he said a secret agreement. He mentioned a secret condition. And the condition is that whoever gets the painting entitled The Sun gets everything of the paintings. This poor guy got everything only for $50. If only these people in the hall knew the real value of the painting entitled The Sun, they could, have, they could have bid for it for even thousands of dollars. But to them, they did not know the painter. It's of no value to them. They don't care about that painting because they are interested of the others. If they only knew the value... The people out there 
who did not experience the revelation of God through the work of the Holy Spirit in their lives that Jesus Christ died on the cross for them in a very serious manner. If they did not know that, they don't care. Who cares? That Jesus? We don't care about Him because they do not know the real value of what Jesus Christ has done. But not for the believers. Because once your heart is gripped by the gospel of Jesus, once you are embraced by the love of God, there is something in us that calls us to know Jesus more and more and more every day. This morning, my eyes were teary after the service. I met three ladies outside. They were walking, going out of the gate. And they said, good morning, pastor. The one who spoke was about siguro nasa 55, ganun. And I asked them, where are you going? Sabi nila, we're going home. Where's your vehicle? Oh, by the way, to those who are watching this online worship, and you are not from Sambuanga City, let it be known to you that we are under Sunday lockdown this time. People are only allowed to go out of their house and go straight to the church for worship. But there is no public transportation. So this woman said, Pastor, I said, where are you going? She said, we are going back home. Where is your vehicle? And she said, no, we just walked this morning from Santa Maria. And I asked them, you can watch online. They said, we don't have internet. but we want to know the Lord more. That desire. Because once your heart is taken hold by the love of Jesus, as a believer, you have the desire to know Him more and more and more. It's not just learning that He is your Savior. Not just knowing that he died for you and for me. There is a desire to know him more and more and more. I appreciate all of you who are here. I appreciate those who are watching with us online. Spending time to watch and learn more about God. Because once Christ has brought you into his family, there is something deep within our hearts who pushes us, know him more, learn more about your Savior. And once you experience that, then you are in a journey of applying your, the virtue that is exemplified in the text in a better sense. You know what? Knowing Christ or increasing in knowledge about Christ may not necessarily or automatically display a transformed life. But... If you are a believer and you want to progress in the application of the virtue of Christianity, it necessitates that you will also increase in your knowledge about your Savior. Because the, know, the more you know Christ, the more appropriate you will become in the way you approach Him. The, know, the more you know Christ, the more appropriate your responses would be in relation to the people around you. 
the more you know Christ, the more appropriate your response would be in relation to pain and suffering. The more you know Christ, the more, the more appropriate your thoughts would be, the words that you say would be. Because even if increase in knowledge about God would not necessarily mean transformation right away, but if you desire to progress in the application of the virtue that is mentioned by Peter here, it necessitates that we would know him more and more. In every teaching of the word, in every preaching of the word, in every time the Bible is opened, you are being in that journey of knowing Christ more and more. And the more you seek him, I believe the more he's going to reveal himself to you. With this in our hearts and minds, I am praying that the Spirit of God would continue to steer our hearts, that we may know Him more and more, and that we will exemplify the virtues of Christ, Christ-likeness in our lives day by day. God bless us all, and good morning. You just heard a message from Zimbabwe City Alliance Evangelical Church. We hope that it will help you in your journey with the Lord Jesus Christ. For more updates, you can follow us in our social media platforms in Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at Zekaic Ministries. God bless!